You're listening to the Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Find out about our pod brethren and how to join our new Discord group and support the show at greenlitpodcast.com and patreon.com slash spirithunterpod, respectively. A big shout-out to Hunter Examinee and Dark Tournament Committee patrons Deanna and Lucas. You help make this show possible. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 41 of The Spirit Hunters. This is Patrick. This is Hannah. This is Joe. Sarah. And Megan. And last time, we covered the production side of the 1999 TV series, including the history, the writers, the producers, the, the Japanese and English cast, and even the music. This time, we're returning to covering the 2011 series, We'll see how the plans and schemes of Karapika versus the Phantom Troop pay out in the quest of revenge. You better get ready. All right, so we're on to episode 55, Allies and Lies. In Japanese, Nakama to Ikasama. It was originally released in Japan on November 11th, 2012. The equivalent manga chapters are 106, 107, and 108 which were released in Japan on January 22nd, 2001. The equivalent 1999 episodes are 63 and 64, which were released in Japan on January 17th, 2002. All right, so the episode starts out with uh, the Phantom Troop. After they hear Hisoka's fortune, Nobunaga accuses him of selling out Ugin to the chain user. He's ready to fight, and Shalnark and Franklin are trying to hold him back, telling him to calm down because the fortunes can be prevented. Um, meanwhile, Hisoka, he is very unbothered and tells them that the first fortune is true, but he can't say anything more. If he's going to fight, it's only to defend himself. And then the one note I made is like the... After this first scene, the openings, the opening song plays and in the intro. And then right after that, when it returns the episode, the narrator re- literally retells what just happened. Um, which I personally never really noticed for like the narrator being more showing up in these episodes other than if at the end. But if anyone else like can recall other instances where the narrator does show up just let me know it just stood out for me for some reason so this is um, a lot worse later on in the show so this is like gonna be a big topic as we go forward but like 2011 kind of does this thing where they try to make the narrator not say anything for the entire show until the final two seasons and then they're just like the narrator takes over meanwhile in the manga the narrator's been there the whole time talking oh so like consistently like showing like what's going on in the heads or like summarizing yeah pretty much and so it makes the chimera ant arc stick out really badly in 2011 while in the others it's just the same thing going on ah yeah because the narrator is like like literally every five minutes he's saying something in the in the uh in the chimera ant arc he's the main character of chimera ant pretty much his inability is megaphone it's george satome again 
Lol. If only. That'd be pretty funny if it pans out at the end of the series. And it's just fucking lighting because Kwanma won't give him a raise. <laughs> Little did Gon know. <laughs> oh, God, what are you doing? Oh, uh, nothing, sir. <laughs> uh, and so back to the episode. So Nobu, he tries to attack Hisoka, but is stopped by Krello. He literally just teleports him up to like the upper floor, kind of like an adult's timeout. Um, <laughs> and Crow, he asks Hisoka to tell him what he can say about the fortune. And Hisoka tells him that the secrets refers to the troop members' powers and that eight members were referenced in the fortune. Those being Krolo, Uvo, uh, Shizuku, Machi, Franklin, Pakunoda, Shalnark, and then Hisoka himself. Um, he can't say anything about the chain user's ability, looks, or his relationship to Hisoka. And so, based off that information, Crow figures out that the chain user abilities includes two things. Capture and kill, like seen with Uvergen, and then the Sword of Law. Um, that's referenced in Hisoka's portion. Uh, he believes that this sword is actually inside Hisoka's body towards his heart, controlling what he can't and can't say. And then Krolo's reasoning skills makes Hisoka the big horny, <laughs> even more so to kill him, you know, because that's us. That's Hisoka's kink. <laughs> I'm not gonna question. shame him. I'll just He's accept always it. <laughs> Is sort of law a tarot thing? I'm just wondering because, like, it seems like a familiar phrasing, but I'm unsure. Um, I don't know. I mean, there is the sword, I think, for sure, but I'm not that familiar with tarot. N nor am I. Could be something to look into. Yeah. Uh, and Shalnark, he theorizes that the chain user could either be a manipulator or a conjurer. And if he's a conjurer, that means that he can use Nen chains while looking unarmed, which gives him the advantage. Uh, the troop figures out that if the chain user is a conjurer, that Hisoka can't fight him because he can't see the weapon. And while everyone is like in their huddle session, uh, brainstorming. Hisoka's just like laughing inside because he actually faked his fortune using Nen. There's no sort of law at his heart and he actually only revealed two of the members' powers, those being Uujin and Shizuku. It's a risky move but it's all part of his grand plan to keep the troop in York Yorkview so he can finally fight Krolo. It's actually kind of funny because I mean it's a uh... It loses something. He says, "Oh yeah, there's no sort of law." But then later on, we find out that might not be the case. Um, I think this is why I asked explicitly, like a couple weeks ago, when we talked about um, Hisoka and Kurapika's talk. If Kurapika mentioned Judgment Chain, which it turns out he had, so Hisoka isn't predicting the existence of Judgment Chain. He knows about it. He's just lying about it being on him. Okay, that's an, okay. That makes more sense. And so with the knowledge uh, that they have now, the chain user, and also based on the fact that there's a line in the second verse of the fortune, uh, it's about like how five legs will break if they leave the shelter. And the fact that Finks 
Phaeton and Cortope didn't have their fortunes read. Uh, Crowley ultimately decides that it's safer for them to stay in York New instead of returning home. So playing into Hisoka's hands, basically. I, I kind of like the extra character detail about the three of them not being able to have their fortunes known because they don't know their birth dates. So it's it's kind of cool that the others are like from like a, a place that's like war ravaged, but at least kind of know who they are. But like for those three, they have no idea who the fuck they are. So they don't even know how old they are then? They have an approximate idea of how old they are, but it's it's like in the Middle Ages, a lot of people didn't know their exact age. Fair enough. So I never really thought about that. Like people back before modern things, like wouldn't even know what they looked like, really. Like they might see their reflection in like water or I don't know, something else, but like shiny surfaces don't come that naturally. Like, I mean, I think most of the time people knew what they looked like in water back then. Mm -hmm. I think most of the time people knew what they looked like from water back then. Yeah. But like, you'd only know from water. You wouldn't know like a super exact reflection. Like, yeah, you wouldn't get like a, a crystal clear approximation what you look like. Uh, you yeah. can get a pretty good idea of what you look like in water if the water is not entirely clear. Like, if there's some shit in the water, it's easier for you to see your reflection. Oh, okay. Well, uh, fair enough. I, yeah, I didn't realize that, though, so you didn't... I think I missed it, that... It says in the manga, it. and I think it just implied here, because otherwise uh, it's just like, why don't they have their fortunes read? It's just like, we're just not going to say. Is it... Because all of them are from Motor, Motor City, right? They're all from Meteor City, yeah, but, Meteor. like, those three, in the manga, they're explicitly called the No Data Gang. Oh. Interesting. I wonder if it's, like, is this thing, like, horoscope-related? Or uh, I'm 99% sure it's horoscope-related. <laughs> they can't know their sun signs or their moon signs. Their Jupiter ascending. <laughs> what's gonna happen when mercury's in retrograde for them how will they know <laughs> you know i don't even know what any of that means to be honest I, I don't know either nor do i <laughs> but i love saying it whenever things are weird i'm like mercury's oh yeah in retrograde. i think an asshole mercury's in retrograde don't worry or venus is is star ascending it's fine such a <laughs> such a gemini thing to say i don't know Actually, what the fuck that means Okay. So where were we at? Sorry. All right. So this is where we start out. Meanwhile, uh, Kilua is um, with Gon, and he's basically shooting down all of Gon's suggestions to go after the Phantom Troop, saying that it is too risky, especially since there's no more reward money, which they need a lot of in order to get Greed Island. Uh, gone he's like oh but i got this secret plan to get the game like it's gonna be great and and then kilua um, he asks like what's the chance that this could work gone gives a very generous 70 maybe 60 percent chance of working uh <laughs> so how he convinces kilua to agree um but only if they get karavika's help uh, back at the hotel, Mion decides that she wants to go shopping again, taking Melody and Baosho with her while Skull uh, stays behind with his dogs. Um, and then the 
2011 anime focuses a lot on um, the farewell, especially between Squala and Eliza, one of Neon's. I want to say maids, or yeah, I'm not exactly sure what she does. Handlers, I don't know. Handlers, yeah, I could, I could have sworn it wasn't it just more guards. Well, I, guess I don't think Eliza has be... powers. Oh yeah, I don't know. I I guess handlers. Yeah, I guess handlers is probably the closest thing in that case. For like the ladies in the kimonos that follow yeah. her around. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I seen that she's like either like attendants, assistants. Attendant or... might make. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 Or it's straight up go <laughs> neo noble and say that yeah, it's my lady in waiting <laughs> or maids. Oh, that maids yeah. in waiting. Y'all have you watched Bridgerton? <laughs> I have no idea. What I, I tried. I don't know. I I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous. It is one of those like trashy, like bodice ripping oh, yeah. novels that I'm surprised are becoming popular oh, and yeah. adapted into actual shows. That's, no. So this is gonna be super off topic, but speaking of Bridgerton, mm-hmm. my coworker yeah. who's Mormon was like. So you know how this is like a fake show, right? Where like you have parties designated for single folk of age and like it matters what family you're from and all that stuff. She's like, that's how Mormons are. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's like an old. Up. I was like, oh. oh that's like oh, an old thing. Yeah. People still do that in the South too. Oh, yeah. But, no, like one's like getting, and... but no one's getting like arranged, engaged. It's more like well, strongly. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually. Uh, Strongly suggested, I think, is probably more modernly, but, like, she's pretty progressive. Like, her her, her side of the religion's pretty progressive. I'm sure there's more <laughs> traditionalist-type people. Not even just Mormons, like, what, Catholic In the South as well. Southerners, yeah. Southern. Yeah. I mean, arranged marriage is still a thing in, like, many countries. Oh, yeah. I remember watching, what was the Netflix show? I know we're off topic. Uh, <laughs> the one Indian matchmaker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, actually, one of my coworkers is uh, she, she she is in an arranged marriage, but it's it's way different from what you expect, though. It's kind of like a dating site, right? Per se. Right. It is very much like matchmaking, whether it is through like a professional or through a app or algorithm. It, I don't know. It, one way or another, a lot of people meet in different ways. Yeah, it's a very describing it. Like a couple coworkers and I were joking. Hey, is there any way you can you can get us to sign up on this website? That sounds kind of fun, actually. Uh, oh God, dude. um, but it's it's an incredibly um, perverse term. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna no, say because it, it can mean like a lot of things. There's a lot. There's a lot of ways. I mean, it is it is interesting. Even Japan still technically has a form of it, but it's usually just like, hey, last ditch effort when you're older. Yeah, there's yeah. um. In Chi- I think it's China. I could be completely wrong, guys. But there's that whole like there's a literal market. It's kind of gross, actually. It's um, like parents having pictures of their usually daughters and sons, but like they're older and they're like pushing them to other parents, like trying to set them up so they can finally be married or whatever. But it's a little. <laughs> it's like a park. They're just at a park <laughs> swapping children. <laughs> So is this a local thing or is this like a podcast? I, I think it's on Vice somewhere. Vice uh, covered it at one point. Um, hell yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, but back to Hunter Hunter, I really yeah, wanted really to be, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to emphasize the uh, focusing on the farewell thing. I'm noticing more and more that 2011 does this a lot when they're like, hey, this character is about to have something happen to them. They're just like, how about they have a last goodbye that's really important compared to the manga or 99 version? Yeah, I can see like the choice in that. They want to make it more emotionally impactful, especially since we like know literally next to nothing about Squala. And now we're suddenly knowing a lot. He has a girlfriend. He likes his dogs. Like, that's a lot. You feel in that connection. Yeah, those are death flags if I've ever seen one. I know. It is a little <laughs> bit emotionally manipulative on the yeah. of the pro- of the production team. So I'm like, but it gets me every time. Oh, yeah. I was oh, suddenly so, talking so about bad. I'm bad going to happen to Squala. <laughs> lol um I, I what are you doing here but I, i'm gonna get to this in 99 they do it in a very different way that doesn't become a pattern they just choose to have a fucking art house movie in the middle of the episode for some reason anyways so uh we go back to riario and Kropika. they meet up to discuss what they're going to do about the next auction uh, Karapika, he's planning to just take on the troop without the Mafia's help, which Leorio thinks is dumb as hell. Um, but luckily, Don and Kilua are willing to lend a hand. Together, they come up with a plan. So Kilua is going to stake out the troop space and give them updates, while Leorio will act as Karapika's getaway driver, and Gon will be the distraction. So Gon needs to keep the troop busy for at least one whole second. Um, meanwhile, Karapika will kidnap uh, Pakunoda and eliminate her at all costs. And seeing how strong Karapika's resolve is, Gon asks him to use the Nen dagger on him. And <laughs> Kilua and Liara are like, uh, what the hell? Um, Karapika can't can't use those against anyone who's not a spider or else he'll die. Um, but Gon points out that Kropika actually has a Nen dagger pointed his, at his own heart. And this is his explanation. So because this information is so sensitive, it could lead, it could be very dangerous. Liario and Kila leave to... Um, so that way Karapika can explain more about how his powers work. There are He has a f- total of five chains, each having a unique function. Only two of those can be used against the spiders, specifically. Uh, one being the chain jail, and that was the one that can trap a troop member um, completely with unbreakable chains and force them into a zetsu state. So this is something that we saw in Uvujin. And then there is the Judgment Chain. It points a blade towards the heart um, with rules and conditions involved. And this can be used on anyone ex- but only when Karapika is using his Scarlet Eyes. And we learned that Karapika can now turn off his Scarlet Eyes um, on Will making him a specialist and he'll be able to use any ability that he's learned at full strength uh, when during this state um j- just checking do they i think he's used two of his other chains already but like maybe they just haven't named them i think 
the they're not sexually named, but they're kind of tied to, I think, like his will and resolve. Um, I'm trying. Yeah. To um. Do, I I don't necessarily have to say their names if those are spoilers. I don't think they are, but like he has used the one for finding people already. Correct. I th I think so. Yeah. So that's that's the dousing chain. Yeah, I, I kind of, it's, I think in the manga they explicitly say all their names, while in 2011, for some reason, they only mention the, the two most readily apparent ones. So right. he also has the dousing chain, and he has another one called Emperor Time. Um, which, that one will probably get explained in a lot more detail at a later point. One thing that's interesting is he mentions he has five chains, but he doesn't tell you what the fifth one does, and it doesn't get revealed until after the anime is done. Like the Taro series or? Yeah, the... the series is done. He says in the manga, he's like, oh yeah, I have this fifth chain that I wasn't exactly sure what to do with. Oh, he didn't even use it? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the fifth chain is um interesting is all I'm going to say. Mm. So it's not like a his trump card, like the last resort move? Um, it's less like that and more like a, hey, this is for a situation I'm not normally in. That makes sense. Yeah, it's unclear whether he has it right now or like whether he was like, I'll leave the fifth one blank until I need it. So we'll find out. And so Kila and Leorio show up. And they, I don't know if they were eavesdropping. <laughs> they probably were. And he, all of them agree to ask for Nen chains for themselves because they're all in this together. And Karabu can, can just erase the chain uh, blades once the mission's over anyway. Um. So, but Karabu ultimately decides that he won't use them. Um, and is just happy to know that his friends are willing to help him and that they're so that they're so loyal and trustworthy. And with that, Kila heads out to stake out the troop base. And back at the base, more troop members get their fortune read and none of it's good. Um, they decide to split up in groups, uh, four groups of total. Like Shizuku, Machi, and Pakunoda, Kortopi, Phaeton, and Binks, Krolo, Shalnark, and Nobunaga, and then Bonolov. Oh, wow. I have not said this name in a while. Bono Levnov? Bono Levnov. Isn't it Bono Levnov or something? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like maybe Bonolanov. I'm not exactly I sure. I, it's, it's I think Russian, none of us man. get this right. No, Baloney. <laughs> Baloney man, yeah. Just just call him just call him that mummy fuck. <laughs> the baloney mob mummy. Okay. The baloney mob. <laughs> <laughs> and then Franklin and Hisoka. Um Machi um tells Carla about Gon and Kilua and how no um Nobunaga wanted to recruit them and how they may be linked to the Shinizer. And Kilua finally shows up. Um, in the area where the troop base is, but now there's 50 buildings, and they look all exactly the same. 
And that's it. He used to copy pasta too much. <laughs> yeah. And oh, uh, then... tell us a little bit about the Hunterpedia. All right. So this week's Hunterpedia is Phaeton, a.k.a. he Would you say late or worse he Um, I think the equation to get between Phaeton and Hiei is Hiei minus Kilua equals Phaeton. Fair enough. all the cool shit about Hiei is gone. And now he just got like, I'm an edge boy. Edge boys! Uh, Psycho Hiei, my favorite. So so the first first appearance Hiei then, right? Yeah, basically his first appearance Hiei before they wrote any backstory. First appearance Hiei, all right. Uh... So, Phaeton, they wonder if he likes to torture people and says he's interested in Greed Island. Gon then pulls up his jacket like Phaeton and covers his mouth and looks fly as hell. Fun uh, fun manga trivia. Every like Oftentimes, to show how short Phaeton is, they often have like the rest of the troop members in frame and then only his eyes coming above like the line of the bottom of the frame. Wow. Man, they don't like short people in, in uh, he, Hunter. He rules. A... All right, so let's go through the manga differences then. Uh, I guess one of the, I guess like I said, going through these, it seems like it's really minimal to the at this point, compared to I guess some other things we've talked about in the past. But uh, uh, one of the one some of the, the differences are the model of sword and the sword of law is completely different. Uh, yeah, this a, one does look very taroy. Yeah, so definitely very taroy. Uh, Hisoka sa- says he wants to fight in the anime, but in the manga, he says he wants to be the one to kill uh, kill Krolo versus just fight him in the anime. In uh, the official Viz release, Zwing was changed to Throb. Yeah, basically. Uh, oh, go ahead. I-, I guess I guess disgusting. Yeah, like basically over his crotch when he's thinking about how smart Krolo is, it just says Throb in huge letters. So. Do you think they did that to emphasize the Hisoka's, like, basically power fetish? Or do you think they were trying to, quote-unquote, tame it down? Because, like, if it was to tame it down, they did the oh, exact I think they were trying opposite. to emphasize it. Like, I oh, think okay. in the... I don't know the automatopoeia for boner noise in uh, <laughs> Japanese, but I have a feeling it's probably the equivalent of throb and so probably throb was just what if we directly translate this automatopoeia oh then good on viz they yeah. went all in on that then. yeah it's it's definitely very big dick energy all up in there with viz violent dick energy violent murderous dick energy yeah. murderous dick my favorite street fighter character hey <laughs> all right uh in the in the uh, in the uh, manga the narrator explains hisoka's falsification rather than hisoka explaining it himself and I think my favorite lines that the is in the manga. It's like end of the fal- falsification of the prediction. <laughs> that was very weird. So I'm glad they glad they announced that. I would have never figured that out without them. So thank you, uh, uh, thank you, Dagashi. Appreciate that. Do you think it would have been better or worse if they had put a forward slash before end of? Um, I think they should have they should have put two double slashes. But you know, <laughs> oh, as a comment instead of making it a closing. Good point. Yeah, I gotta comment it out so they, they know where it ends, so that way you know you know what all the code does. Yeah. Alright, so another difference. All the phantom troops are said to have surprises use are said to have surprise use oh sorry. All the phantom troops are said to have surprise uses of their powers like this and like Paku's memory bomb that they keep secret even from the other members. 
So I guess in essence, basically, they kind of want cards up their sleeves. Yeah. In in a way. And I think the and Machi knows the about texture surprise, but thinks Sogo only uses it on his body. So I guess that's kind of an interesting point. I that uh, Joe brought up in the in the manga notes is that uh, is that basically that they're they they basically have cards up their sleeves, so they're not like putting it all on the table to all the members, which I think is kind of uh kind of shows more of the the int- the self interest inside of the Phantom Troop that I think is going to permeate through the, the their arc. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it emphasizes that certain subsets of them know about each other's different powers, but like it, it's like non-overlapping subsets, and I wonder if that's done on purpose. Yeah, I I, I kind of like the idea of it because it makes it seem like they're, I guess, while they're a tight knit to a point, they all have their own self-interest that they look out for. Yeah. So I it guess be... it's uh, I guess it's it's sort of one for all and all for one. It can be seen that way, but I think another way would be to look at like, oh, if one of us gets tortured or someone has a mind reader, they couldn't figure out all our powers by like knowing from one person. I, I definitely think that's a possibility. I guess just with with how they vibe and later on dur- during the show that it kind of it's kind of interesting because I think I think it I think it has both ways in terms of that. Yeah, maybe it's for this, but it's really for that, you know. Yeah, I think it probably, it also depends on which members, because I think a lot of people still don't trust Hisoka entirely. And then there's also, remember, there's a couple of the Phantom Troop members who literally grew up together who probably do all trust each other, and then some of the others yeah. are late joiners. Like, no one knows yeah. Vanilla of. Yeah, but at least they trust him. He seems like a reliable guy, though. Wait, I thought He's... Vanilla Nov was there from the beginning. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think he's a replacement for someone who was killed. Uh, like he's he's there from the beginning of the manga, but I think he's implied to have been a replacement for someone earlier that didn't wasn't in the manga. Right. I I mean I like this aspect. I think it's more realistic. Like when you have a bunch of ragtag people, essentially, especially if it's like twelve people, there's always gonna be either like little cliques or divisions. Like, I is there like an eternal hierarchy in terms of like? I think there's there's the founding members who are mm-hmm. I think even like the the main guys and the I guess the guys that are stick close to each other. So of course like Uvo and then Nobunaga are like the tightest of the two people. But I guess it it differs from there because I I honestly I think the only two I can really think of is is a uh, Nobunaga and Uvo in terms of the the friendship and the closeness of letting it all out and letting them know each other's powers. I think there's not a hierarchy so much as cliques. Like, I think it's a pretty egalitarian system where they even talk about Krolo being the leader is kind of more just like by function of like their belief that he'll do what's best for the group, not by power or anything like that. I mean, he is probably the most powerful member, but I don't think that's the reason he's the leader. He's like the mastermind. Um, the re- but I do the think why events happen later on in the show. Yeah, I think the asymmetry here has more to do with there being clicks of tighter friends rather than like a power dynamic yeah but it's 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 good stuff though um i just continue on with the 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 notes uh there's a part i'm really a bit unclear about uh it seems like the reward is either in the either still on the table or they haven't found out that the reward has been withdrawn for the capture of the phantom troop members because the way that it it looks in the manga it looks in the manga it looks like they're still trying to hunt them down knowing there's a reward which makes it interesting because later on when they find out that there is no reward, I spoilers, um, it, it's kind of interesting that aspect because it's like it could be two things. Either they're, they're playing them when something happens or 
they legit don't know that it's been called off. Yeah, I actually don't remember. Maybe this is why 2011 tried to make it clearer that they quote unquote knew at that point. Yeah, so that, that's interesting that the manga is kind of ambiguous on that. Yeah, and then uh, and then the the last sort of note is that the manga goes over more of Karapi's powers in a more clear way, with sort of diagrams and sort of explanations on uh, on the use of the of, of their power. Yeah, it's a. It's a whole thing. It looks like a video game instruction manual, basically. Pretty much. It just goes through all the power stuff. Basically, what's shown on the show, so like the emission levels, the the ability to use the red eyes and stuff when they turn, things of that nature. So it basically just sums up what's in the show. Get excited for when we cover level E, where there's a whole fucking instruction manual about how to use someone's powers. I gotcha. Uh, did you want to do the last two, Joe, since that's yeah. they seem 99-centric in a way? Uh, sort of. So I said this version in 99, so the manga and 99 say the Scarlet Eye condition is necessary for a lot of Kurapika's powers because using the dagger and forcing rules on others are emitter and manipulator abilities, and therefore, in order to get what he has, he has to stack a bunch of conditions. So staking his life and limiting targets was enough for Chain Jail while the Scarlet Eyes were necessary for Judgment Chain. So basically, you can infer this from 2011, but in the manga, it's made incredibly explicit, like why he's doing this. Yeah, no, and that's a lot clearer in the. It's clear in the the anime, though, for me at least. The first time I watched it. Interesting. I I found it to be the opposite, but I mean, again, I read the manga first, so who knows. Um, and so in this version in the manga, Leorio doesn't think Kurapika has increased his resolve because in 2011, it's like, oh wow, Kurapika is more serious about this. In this version, Leorio explicitly says, no, we're just finding out that Kurapika is, has been an incredibly cruel person this entire time. To be fair, I kind of I kind of like the wording of that better because at, at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's evident that Kurapika, when it comes to the Phantom Troop, isn't all there. I completely agree. It's very weird to me what things 2011 goes out of its way to sugarcoat. Yeah, but you also have to 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 keep in mind that this, I guess, this was in in the end made for more of a generalized audience. Yeah, I guess like we could TV talk about that more when we're done with 99 in its entirety. But I do think there is some sort of weird shifting audience problem with Hunter Hunter over its incredibly long run. Yeah, no, no, for real. It's it's definitely interesting in different aspects, and I, I guess as you watch later on the show, it definitely gets less you know, general audience orientated, but you can also argue that later on that the deaths are kind of a different, in a different way. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, I feel you. Um, I, I don't just mean from like a mature quote unquote standpoint about like, oh, death, blood, but more like a perspective standpoint too. It does change in weird ways. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess for everyone that doesn't realize it, uh, Kurapika is not a good person. I won't go that far, but I, I will say that like there are significant debates in the fandom about whether he's a good friend. I don't think he is. Anyways. Yeah, he's he's kind of very flaky, and if, if it doesn't go his way, it's like, nope. Yeah, well, we'll there's a lot to discuss about that in the yeah, future. We, we gotta do like a, a character-orientated breakdown eventually. Eventually, yeah. Let's do it once we get past like the current manga as well, because there's more is Kurapika a good friend shit in there too? Yeah. Anyways, it's it's good debate topics. Yeah. So, um, on 99, uh, so in this version, like the manga, it has an announcer instead of thoughts being in Hisoka's head. 
Um, I already mentioned that 2011 making like trying to put announcer stuff into people's mouths makes Chimera Ant more jarring later because they stopped doing it. And so um, this version talks about doing image training to prepare against the troop. And it says that in English, it's like image, uh, image training or whatever. And okay, so are you guys familiar with image training? Not really, no. Okay, I feel crazy because like, I've heard about image training since I was a little kid, like doing martial arts and stuff, which is the idea of like imagining like a fight and like doing your portion of it while like training. And I always thought because it was phrased in Japanese things in English, I always thought that it must have come from the West and that, you know, this was just Japan, like taking like a very old sports trend. I looked up image training and almost every resource I could find about its beginnings was in Japan. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why is this in English then? Yeah, I mean it's just a lot, the, the cultural the cultural crossover as well. But no, now that you tell me, I do know what you're talking about though. The whole whole pretend like it's an actual fight or just imagine what's going to happen in the fight because I know a lot of anime have that trope as well. The whole imagine you're in a real fight or like act like it's a real fight or something or take the concepts. Yeah, you see a similar thing in like old Chinese film and. Uh, and books as well so i'm wondering if it's originally like a chinese concept and japan used to use a chinese word for or chinese derived word for it and then switched to english for some reason but i don't have any basis for this besides guesses so i'd be curious to look this up someday but i don't think it's important enough to the series to do a whole research topic on no i mean it could Um, just be coincidence too i mean there's there's definitely cultural ideals that are, are pretty much humanly the same in some aspects so one concept from one thing could have been the same the other way because they idealized the same way as well. So yeah, I mean it. it the it's the linguistic part of it that's weird to me, like the, it being in English but pretty explicitly not being from the West. Actually, that's the part where I'm like, what? Um, but anyways, final note: uh, Kilua doesn't have an internal monologue about getting gone not to go after the troop here. Like, um, so in the manga and 2011. Uh, Kilo was just like, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. You know, basically, like, while he's he's begging Gon not to do this, while Gon is talking to Kurapika, but doesn't say anything because that's who Kilua is. But in this version, they don't have him do that, and I wonder if they try to limit the interiority of uh, of Kilua here because, like, I wonder if they just don't think it's important or like what the deal with that is. Cause it's kind of a weird choice. They do something similar to that later as well, where they like limit the interiority and emotional range of Kilua. And then they emphasize it in 2011, um, which is one of the things I think 2011 did very well on. So I'm not sure what's up with that. They, they wanted to keep Kila like a more serious boy and not have like these little, cause the internal models are really interesting. Cause it, for one, it can play to a comedic effect, but it also can show a little bit more of Kilua's personality beyond um, what he projects, which can usually be kind of like aloof or reverent, um, but not necessarily one that can show like if he doesn't necessarily like something or he wants something to go a certain way, which clues you on him how... Um, on like how he makes decisions, you know, if you know what I mean. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. And I think maybe the 1999 just didn't want to give him that depth for whatever reason. Either to yeah, it's weird. seem more simple or maybe 
the voice actress <laughs> they didn't want to pay her for like an extra line <laughs> so Maybe. they're like yeah you're not gonna say that or we're gonna cut this out who knows it's weird because they've gone out of their way previously to explain Kilua's depths but like oftentimes in filler shit like when they had a plot line about his using assassin techniques while learning Nen um, during uh, the during Heaven's Arena, but like they just don't carry it into the canonical material for some reason, and I'm not sure what's going on there. But yeah, it could be for any number of reasons, as you've said. But yeah, that's uh, that's basically it for 99. Um, anyways, uh, before we get to the next episode, now a word from our compatriots and benefactors. <laughs> My name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favourite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website, www.our3cents.co.uk. Hey Chris, what's the War Rocket Ajax podcast about? Well Matt, if we were smart, it'd be about murders, but it's actually about comics. War Rocket Ajax, it's not about murders, but it is weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. So the next episode is episode 56. Beloved in Beloggard? Beleaguard? Beleaguard. Beleaguard. Or Sai Ai To Sai Aku. And it was released in Japan on November 18th, 2012. The equivalent manga chapters are 109, 110, 111, and 112, which were released on February 19th, 2001 in Japan. The equivalent 1999 episodes are 64 through 66, which were released on January 17, 2002. So I'm looking at the title for this one, the Japanese for it, and I'm very curious. I wish I had done a kanji analysis on this Sayaku. because like... Yeah, because I'm wondering, because the first word, you know, Sai and then love, I don't know what Sai is. And then the second one is Sai, then the word for evil. So I'm wondering if the word for beleaguered is literally like having evil done unto them while beloved is having love done unto them. I've never heard the word beleaguered before in my life. (laughs) Really? No. So, yeah, I, I think the way I write and read is like that of like some fucking second language learning intellectual from poland in the 1800s so maybe that's why i fucking know that word but yeah weird fun times yeah i would not pronounce that if you didn't you guys didn't just say it i would have been billaguarded billaguardia billaguardia flying laguardia go to newark and we'll go to friggin pennsylvania (laughs) i think i've seen the word once but i never looked into what it meant So looking at the definition, it is an adjective that describes either a very difficult situation Mm -hmm. or of a place that is surrounded by armed forces aiming to capture it or force surrender, (laughs) a.k.a. besieged. I'm I'm pretty sure it's the latter. Uh, I'm looking up Sayaku right now. That's actually... Isn't isn't that that guy from uh, Samurai Jack? No, that's the reason I knew the word for that's evil is Aku. because of Aku from Samurai Jack. I think it is that same Aku is my guess. I'll be honest, guys. I've realized I lost all my Japanese 
many years ago. <laughs> so no, you still you still come up with like good shit. But yeah. yeah, just go with the episode, and then I'll look this up while we're okay. doing this. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. So here on this very the, where the English word is much harder to pronounce than the Japanese word today. What a di- um, what a what a what change is, of pace on that one. What it is. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what it be? What it be? What it be? Uh, on like but <laughs> on a rainy day, Leorio's driving Miss Daisy, uh, Kurapika in disguise, and going to the man. I need a bigger screen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and going to the troop base, uh, Kurapika calls Killua for updates. Um, Killua tells him that the whole neighborhood is filled with troop base lookalikes. They figure out it's likely some Nen shenanigans by one of the members. Killua's Nen- unsure. Shenanigans? Oh, is that, is that, is that should be that? The, that, Sh- the nenanigans? Shenanigans? Sh- huh? Y'all are the worst. Sh- Backyard again. Um, so Killua's unsure what to do since the new buildings created new blind spots. So there's no telling which building is safe or if he, he'll run into any troop members. Kurapika tells him to return to his post for now. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to read the notes on my phone for some reason, and it's not big enough. Let me turn my screen to the side. I was going to say, turn it sideways. Also, I found the the definition, and it's um, it's cool. We'll talk about it after this note. Okay. Do you want to talk about it right now? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I looked it up, and it literally just means the worst, because it's bad as, you know, oh, Aku as a bad. Oh, Sayaku. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So basically, Sai means the most. And I should have known that because like the phrase I hear a lot in old martial arts things is Saikyo, which means like the most powerful. Yeah. And um, so Sai meaning like the most loved and the worst. So it's like the second half of the good, the bad and the ugly, but like the beloved and the and the, the shit bag. That's it's weird that I kept really thinking of style for some reason. The English title. Yeah. Implies. Yeah, oftentimes the English titles are not uh, direct translations, and I think it's just um, they want to do sai because the sai to sai. I think they wanted this the beginning part to be the same, so the yeah. only other word <laughs> that would kind of fit, I guess, is beleaguered, bewitched, oh, be betrothed, be <laughs> betrayed, betrayed. Ooh, beloved and betrayed, but I think they use betray a lot. Yeah, yeah. They, they've used betray a bunch, so I- yeah. Yeah, I can see why they maybe chose Beleaguer because I think it actually does tie into what's going to happen in this episode. It's almost like a spoiler. Yeah, no, I, I, I really, I actually really respect the localized titles for Hunter x Hunter 2011 much more so than the localized titles for 99, which are terrible if you ever look at them, which is why I don't even write them. Um, Like, they're all really good word games, which is why I wanted to do the kanji analysis as a regular segment, but it just often takes so long. This one was just really easy. Guys, Sayaku is a common word too. It's not even like a <laughs> It's not even like an ancient like, you know how like sometimes they use like words that aren't really used. Oh, oh yeah, like sometimes how I'm just like, "Oh, yeah, I only found this one in Chinese actually." Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's a weird like fun word or whatever. No, that one's a basic word most people would know. <laughs> it just didn't register. Okay. That was actually very cool. That's nice. That's nice to know. Um all right, so Kurapika gives Melody a call, uh, who's still out with Basho and Neon's latest shopping spree. Uh, meanwhile, using Uvo's intel, info on the Hunter website and Krolo's run with run in with Neon, the troop discuss the chain user, the Nostrad family, Nostrad, Nostrad, 
Nostrad family and Neon's bodyguards. Each members get flyers with pics of each bodyguard. Crollo realizes he could have gotten info from Neo about the chain user when she's in York New, figures out that she's into collecting body parts like the Scarlet Eye and how the chain user must be after the eyes for revenge. Uh, sorry. Cor- I will never be a voice actor. That's just not. <laughs> uh, Cortope uses his powers on the OG stolen Scarlet Eyes and locates the copy of the eyes at God. B-E-I-T-A-C-L-E. Okay, question. Do any of you watch the dub? I I do. I was watching the dub, so... How do they I, say this there? I I don't know. I because don't I think it was Batakal. Okay, <laughs> so in Japanese they say bitch takuru, like, so B-E-I-C-H, bitch. And so I was like, bitch is this taco? a vegetable, which is vegetable? And then I, I looked them up and I'm like, these aren't close enough for this. What the fuck is this? Uh, I don't even know what language is French. I'm not, it can Maybe be... it's like French or German. Bataka. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's based on like some actual hotel in New York or some shit. Oh, and you just okay. like, I, I didn't see that right. I thought you just like, kept saying bitch taco. I was like, what the fuck? Welcome to bitch taco, our, my new <laughs> podcast. You know, beach and bitch in Japanese. It's bitchy, bitchy and bitchy or something like that. Beer and building are like the same word almost. Beer and beer. Wait, is there like a beer? Beer, beer is I think I could be saying these all wrong. I could be saying building a hundred times. There's got to be a bar called Biru Biru. Biru Biru. There probably is. One, there's like a there's a long syllable I think I can't remember what it's called, but Biru I think is beer and Biru is building. Oh wow! So yeah, it I, just depends on where you put the emphasis. Yeah, or yeah, like the difference how, between how potato and out. pope. Huh? It's like the difference between potato and pope in Spanish. What's the papa? Oh, papa Papas? and papa. Papa, papa. <laughs> imagine, imagine it's like all okay. Never mind. Uh, no, there's also there's also in Spanish there's the difference between mom and to suck, which gets a lot of people in trouble, which is just mama and mama. Oh. Like the and difference the- between vinegar and um, throw up in Tagalog. Oh yeah, that one fucks me up every I time I try saying vinegar. Does anyone know What's how to say What's the difference? It? Ha 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 ha. <laughs> well, I think they are actually derived from the same idea of bitterness, but it's like, oh. I think it's like, I'm gonna fuck this up, suka and suka, but yeah. like I could be wrong. Yeah, because I was like, Grandma, what is this? And then she said the word for vinegar, and then I said the word for throw up, uh, <laughs> right back at her. <laughs> I'm just imagining her just pouring some vinegar and then you throwing up on her. (laughs) Poor grandma. She's chilling. Grandma. Um, Okay, so at... I'll call it Bitch Taco. We're calling it Bitch Taco. At the Bitch Bitch Taco Taco Hotel, uh, where Neon is staying at and where the chain user will be, Krolo, Nobunaga, Shizuku, Kortopi, Machi, and Pakudoda head for the hotel. The Beach Taco Hotel. (laughs) Dang, they must have some great spread. Um, while anyways, steak stalking, staking out the base, Kilowa gets a call from Melody who tells him to hang up the phone because she's got super hearing. That's pretty fucking useful. <laughs> Just whisper. It really is. Dang. But like, she must have selective super hearing because like 
she'd probably oh, hear yeah, that'd get really awkward. whispering right like yeah <laughs> like i feel like she would have to either know how to drown out other noises and focus on one yeah I, th I think that might be the case because she doesn't have an issue sleeping in the hotel or anything because i mean damn that that'd be a nightmare going anywhere else but yeah, I think she describes it as an ability later, so I wonder if she has to consciously oh. do it or not. Oh, yeah, like it's like a Nen way. ability. Yeah, makes sense. Um, well, uh, oh, so Killua and Melody. Oh wait, no, she figures out that uh, some of the troop members are on the move. Killua and Melody decide to follow them. Melody reasons that Kurapika must be desperate since he he's asking for help, and how Killua was an assassin because he. Scott Estinto, which means barely audible fancy feet. Um, is this anyone who does actual music or concerts or plays an instrument? Is this a real thing? Is that what Wait, it's called? What, what is it? Um, Estinto. I, I don't. I think I might have seen it once in a music sheet. I don't Ooh. particularly remember. It it almost is like the in a part of the song where you really want to either build up to like this great moment that you need that almost near silence to build up the tension oh. of a song um i feel like i've seen it once before but i don't remember particular songs uh when i was learning piano it's there actually is it's called the soft playing itself is called playing a piano so well, I mean, that's, that's that's soft but then there's pianissimo i'm wondering if estinto is like beyond pianissimo it could it could be like maybe just like a because I, I could have sworn wasn't that wasn't that there that that piece that was literally a twenty six minute silent music part where it's just no oh, instruments. Yeah, I think Pootie Tang once uh, played that song. Yeah, that he did, his cover was amazing, but I think he I think it was a tribute though. Um, but actually, I kind of want to look up <laughs> what I assume is the root of the word, which would be tinto, which might be from like tintare or something, because like distinto. I don't think it's a musical term, but it literally just means distinct. So I'm now wondering like what the common root there is, but oh. that's for another time. So theoretically it might not even be, cause I don't know why with melody, I always assume everything is. No, I think it's real. Related. I think it's real. I'm okay. saying like, I'm just wondering what the common root there is in Italian. Cause all music notations in Italian. Okay. That's yeah, not something I ever thought right about. now. Essentially it's supposed to be as soft as possible. So I wonder if it's like usually in a song, it would be either at the end, um, mm. to kind of have a very quiet ending to a phrase or the song itself. It's essentially supposed to mean as soft as possible, barely audible. Um, and it it's cool because it goes back to like Melody's background in music. Yeah. Like she, she's constantly bringing up like random terms. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I could take music theory from her. I think that'd be pretty fun. <laughs> it's like we get it, Melody. You're a prodigy. That's why you look like this. It's fine. <laughs> um, actually, I think Melody's one of those like characters. I really, I really want to know more about. Uh, and I feel like I don't get enough time with her. <laughs> yeah, no, she she's cool. Wait till the manga is all I'm gonna say. Okay, cool, cool. So we get to see more. Okay. Yeah, no, that that's like one of the best parts about the post anime manga is she's back. Yo, that's dope. Um, I looked it up. It is not worth explaining the difference and derivation of distinct and cool. extinguish. 
cool, cool. Which are the English forms of those same words. Let's move on then. <laughs> um, so thank you guys though. But Gon calls Killua, who updates them on how six of the members, including the leader, are on the are on the move. They decide for Killua slash Melody to take the same train as the troop with while Leorio drives Kurapika and Gon to the state train station to intercept them. Kurapika figures out they're heading for the hotel where the next auction will be. Um, also, that's where uh, Neon is staying at. Back at the Beach Bitch Taco Hotel Room, Squala, Squala, calling, <laughs> nothing bad's gonna happen to Squala. Squala is calling his lovely girlfriend, I, future wife Eliza, the love of his life. He's calling her um, because she's still stuck out shopping with Neon. Oh, God, what a bit, brat. Uh, <laughs> nice, dude, nice <laughs> uh, she's just a teenager the dude hates his job telling his doggo oh he has he has things he cares about telling his dog oh, yeah, emotional what's what's going on is there down. nothing bad's happening yeah there's nothing nothing, nothing bad. bad's gonna happen right no. uh no. telling his dogs doggos about about how he's going to get a better future for him and Eliza. No, one of <laughs> the dogs. Flags. <laughs> no death flags here, okay? Everything's fine. <laughs> it's a friendly kids anime yeah, I don't about know what you guys are talking about. Boys. Nothing bad happened to him, right? I kind of dozed off to her in the last, like, like, fifth, like uh, 10 minutes of the yeah. episode. Nothing bad happens, right? No, absolutely nothing. No, um, okay, I kind of figured as much. Cool, cool, cool. But, uh, no, one of the dogs actually opens the door for room service and wheels the cart. Such good boys! Yeah, I, I, at first, because I heard the knock and I was like, huh, that always spooked me. And then the dog actually op- stood on two legs, opened the door with his paws, and came in walking on two legs, wheeling the cart. And another, the same for Nard dog sniffed the food to check it was A-OK. And then they just had, like, a great meal together i thought it was just such a cute moment hey no it's only one of their last meals (laughs) 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 um but so remind me guys i can't remember is squala squala a nen user or she's just really good at trading his dogs he's a nen user okay okay. his ability is related to how he trains the dogs right yeah yeah cool 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 I can't remember if that was like notated actually or not. He's uh, got a K-Nen ability. Oh! I, nice. uh, I think they, I think they specifically say he's a manipulator. <laughs> okay, okay. And that's how he controls the dogs. But like, I, they don't mention the mechanism to the point where I'm like, is he in- increasing the size of their like frontal lobes? Is that what's going on? Is he making them sentient? Like, Yeah, basically. Sense, like, <laughs> oh. He doesn't have the lobes. So what happens when, you know what, never mind. All right. Uh, so the troop exit the train. Kurapika warns Squala that the troop are headed this way. Squala bounces for somewhere safe, um, taking the Scarlet Eyes with him. Little does he know. <laughs> what does he know? Uh, so to avoid the troop from sensing his killing intent, Kurapika has to stay as far away as possible so Gon can successfully distract them. Squala... Takes the elevator with his dogs, carrying the Scarlet Eyes copy. Huh? Are you about to cry? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I cry every time I watch this, and I don't know why. Because <laughs> you, you guys are right. You only see it for like three episodes. Like, what does it matter? <laughs> Which informs Cortopi that he's on the move. 
The troop run off to capture him with Kurapika gone and Killua following them on foot because North U City traffic sucks. I like how they incorporated that into the plot. <laughs> I know. It really, I think it does add to the tension, but it's just so hilarious because it is really like New York. <laughs> oh, classic. Um, realizing they're being followed, the troop splits up with Nobunaga, Pakunoda, and Kortopi to get Squala, while Kurolomachi while and Shizuku confront their little followers, who immediately hide. Um, Kurapika is about to rage quit and whip out his chains, but Gon and Kilma give themselves up instead. Knowing they're connected to the chain user, the troop tie them up and bring them to Hotel Taco. Um, gone straight up asks Krolo why he kills people who have nothing to do with him. Krolo gives him a non-answer, saying that the reason that he can't slash doesn't want to talk about is key to understanding himself. Real quick, I just want to focus on this for a moment, that Gon very angrily asks someone why he would kill someone who has nothing to do with him. (laughs) Yikes. I just love how like that's the first thing he says. He just like looks him straight in the eye and he's like, Why do you kill people? He should have usually responded saying people who die when they're killed. Oh man. <laughs> it just it just like the way he responds is like maybe that's the way, you know, maybe that's something about me finding myself or whatever. I'm just like, are you are you just ch- uh, channeling uh what's his name from the dark tournament? Uh the guy Kurama fought. Um uh, Karasu. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, like asking myself unanswerable questions. Jeez, edgy boys left and right. <laughs> okay, so Kurapika, Kurapika's pissed, but Melody tells him to calm down because it's his fault that they got caught. Damn, Melody! <laughs> yeah, Melody doesn't hold back. <laughs> this is the realest shit. Like when <laughs> you should calm down. I am calm. <laughs> Bitch, you just Melody's got this laying call. it flat. <laughs> oh man. Um <laughs> so Squala <laughs> Squala gets captured by Nobunaku Nobunaku <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Nobu Paku and Kortopi. Luckily they let his dogs go. <laughs> Who wrote this? That's <laughs> me. <laughs> so luckily his dogs all live. But the human who is Squala is not so lucky. <laughs> Realizing he doesn't know shit about the chain user or his whereabouts, Paku threatens his girlfriend and Nobu cuts his head. Nice head. I think I'll take it. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Megan, I'm not going to explain why I included those in the notes anyways. <laughs> I don't get it. It's fine. It's fine. Is this the point where like, they do that thing where, like, the person who's most connected to them romantically, like, knows something's off. Yeah. Like, yeah. There is, like, she this- sneeze yeah. or, like, what happens? Um, I actually, I forgot to write it down, but she kind of does, like, looks up as soon as, like, I think, like, at the same moment that his, that he dies. Sort of like what happens with Keiko and the second time that Yusuke dies, they know she just, like, oh. <gasps> And then she looks up, and you can tell that in her heart she knows. Can, can we talk about how she didn't need to have the psychic connection? Because Pooh literally also died. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, what's wrong, Pooh? Oh, oh right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's so fucking manipulative, but it worked 
It's worked on me probably until this time watching. Maybe not. Maybe know, this, this dude time. did not even show up for like yeah. four episodes yeah. after before this, and now they throw all of this at him. Yeah. It just portrayed so much more matter of factly in the manga to the point where like when I found out this was a big deal in the anime, I was like, What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> because they're like, we don't want the set we say no to senseless violence. We want you to be sad about the violence. <laughs> yeah. Just senseless emotional torture is what we're gonna put the audience through. Manipulation. This isn't as bad as um what is what's what's uh what's the dog daddy um from Full Metal Alchemist? What? Oh, oh, oh dog daddy. <laughs> I think you meant like dog daddy. <laughs> no, 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 like father, like papa, but like papa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Shao Tucker. Shao Tucker, yeah. yeah. And, um, I don't know that the one, the one, the other father's death in Full Metal Alchemist was also pretty sad. Nah, man, the other. Wait, wait, wait. There's two other fathers in Full Metal Alchemist. One of them had an incredibly metal death. It's no, it's the it's the one that it's the the one in the phone booth. Oh, oh no. I, okay, because oh, there's no. also a character oh, named Father. There's a lot of daddies in this show and preteen boys. Like, like if Liario got his act together and had a family. Oh man, that's man. really yeah, that, that, like, I think I still think that's like the saddest part of that show. Oh, I don't yeah. even like it that much. 100. Oh, I forgot for sure. about that, and now I'm re-traumatized. I'm so sad. <sighs> it's, like, All right. It's, it's, well, it's, why is it wait? Why is it raining? <laughs> To emphasize the sadness, okay? All right, but Pakunoda uses her memory bomb and literally shoots the image of the chain user, aka Kurapika, into Nobu and Kortopi's heads. Finally, having a face to name, Nobu's all fired up for revenge. Revenge! Nobunaga, oh wait, what's it called? The uh, uh, Hunterpedia? Hunterpedia. Hunterpedia! Yeah. Are they still tan? I can't remember. <laughs> No, no they, they they lost their tan. They got they cool, got to, cool, cool. Thank God. <laughs> uh, Nobunaga, an enhancer, is a Lido master. Uh, that's supposed to be Eido. Eido. Yeah, I I think uh, maybe there just might have been a transcription error. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was an. I I know for a fact it was an L. So I don't know why they did that. Oh, okay. Netflix needs to fix their shit. Eido master, who can use N for in a four meter radius focuses his aura in a sword and can strike someone down in one blow. Go on and Killua, get the radius circle and put Corlo's face over theirs and turn into cats. Okay, what? I didn't watch this one and now I'm very puzzled. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, basically what happens is that, uh, is that they that they put their face... Oh, I, I can't... For some reason, it won't let me screenshot on Netflix. I don't know why it does that. It's like blocking me up. Oh, so you that. can't screen record a show, so you can post it on the internet again. Are you, are you um, using it on your computer? Yeah. So I found out it's actually less of a pro, it's actually less of a uh, copyright thing and more that it's using hardware acceleration and that syncing oh. the GPU to the CPU is hard for them. I gotcha. But any, anyways, okay. I guess, uh, yeah, they have like the, this radius circle they put over their face it's like cartoon Trollo. And they take it off and they turn into like the you know the the the, the their neon faces, yeah. It looks like that. So, what the fuck? Yeah, the hundredpedias are really weird. Well, all right. So let's move on to the manga notes. So the biggest uh, bi and so some of the the more notable changes are Killua mistakes Melody for a man at first, because he he says man he really has some great powers. So I don't know if maybe that was a error in the people that wrote it out, or maybe it was sort of insinuating that he didn't know at first, and it's some sort of weird, sick joke. I mean, Kurapika m 
like misgendered melody previously as well. I gotcha. So yeah, it, it might have just been a misgender thing in the in the manga. And uh, I just want to put this out no one else can see it, but uh, man, that that kill would drip, right? Oh yeah, he's looking straight up. He's just squatting in the rain. Cool dude. Yeah, but it, it says it right there. I think yeah, at the end when he knows how to use it, incredible. So, but yeah, uh, speaking of drip, uh, gone drip. Anyways, uh, the next the next note is uh people think the phantom trooper ninjas like they're commenting oh man what are these ninjas dropping uh jumping by i thought they said something like that in the in the originally in the show i might have missed that though i think they did um another thing that's interesting is in 2011 eliza is on a magazine cover indicating that she's like trying to be a model and like that's part of like them escaping the job or whatever that's not in present in either other version weird Hmm. Yeah, uh, also Squall's dogs predate Kakashi's ninja dogs by like six months. Huh. Uh, is that like a, is that a Naruto thing? Yeah, so Kakashi has like a group of dogs that he works with that I'm like, oh, I wonder which way the influence might have gone on this. And then I looked it up, their first appearance in both manga, and it turns out this was six months earlier. Yeah. I mean, uh, Squall's dogs straight up leave. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> yeah, good point. Kakashi's dogs would have stayed. <laughs> They're ride or die. Wait, did Squall like, say, like, go? Oh, that's... Huh? that's mm, I don't remember. Wait, sorry, what? Megan, what did you say? Oh, I thought I thought Squalla told his dogs to, like, get the fuck out. But, like, I well, I mean, he, like... he did, but, like, oh. if Kakashi tried doing the same things, one of the dogs probably would have revealed that he had, like, dynamite attached under his collar and was going to blow himself up. Yikes. <laughs> But actually, actually, it makes me wonder. Uh, I'll, I'll have to do the dog comparison. But there's a character later on in the show that also has dogs, so I kind of want to see if maybe those dogs are similar to the ones that he has, or they have. I don't think those ones have power or anything. I think he's just fostering them because he's a he's the best boy, and they're good boys. Oh no, I'm just saying, like maybe that's where his the the, the dogs went after Squala passed away. If maybe. Oh my god! If that'd be the case, that'd be super cute. But I don't think I. I bet they probably just found Eliza. They probably just smelled her and found her. Uh, we'll have to. Uh, I'll I'll take a screenshot of some of the dogs and I'll compare, and I'll see if that's the case. That'd be kind of. Oh cool. my god! If that's the case, my heart's gonna be broken. Yeah, but jeez, uh, no, my heart's broken. Uh, and then uh, the dialogue in in the manga con- confirmed Squalor's not was in the manga that Squalor was not the one they were looking for, but was on the list in the in the manga. Can we also talk about how they stop him on an incredibly? highly trafficked street in the manga and then in the anime in 2011 they're just like no he's the only guy on the street because he's going the opposite direction of traffic well no there, there's a bunch of vehicles behind them behind him it's just in front of them is pretty open oh okay yeah meanwhile in in this version like traffic is stopped yeah it's it's stopped and it looks like it's all the traffic stop all and in the manga there's a lot of space between them and then uh the biggest difference is the ultra violence especially the Head chopping off scene. Jesus, I like how like how Pakunoda's just like oh oh you know she's just like pushing it away because she's like I don't want any part of this. Get the head away from me. And then I thought this is pretty funny, but the there's people in the manga pointing out how crazy it was that Pakunoda shot her own partners. Yeah, so this is in ninety nine as well, but they basically reveal like. The the other two are also shocked because they didn't know about Memory Bomb yet. So they're just like, wait, what the fuck? 
fair. She's like, yeah. well, just let me shoot you. And then they're like, wait, what? And she's like, you trust me, right? And they're like, I guess. And then she shoots them. Yeah, because and in and in I, I guess I guess going into your ninety nine differences, I didn't bring that up. That it's kind of funny how ninety nine it like insinuates that they don't know, but in the show and the manga, it kind of insinuates that they do know. Or the twenty eleven uh, anime. Yeah. So, uh, of, did you want to go into the ninety nine notes? Yeah. So in ninety nine, uh, Kilo mentions with all the buildings he can like with all the new buildings, like how there's like fifty of them now, he can only track twenty percent of the surface area at a time. And I'm just thinking that's still insanely impressive to be able to track twenty percent of the available area, like with like fifty buildings around you. But that's just filler bullshit. Though he's but still his father cool. can do a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean his grandfather can actually do a hundred percent. Oh really? Um, remember he has, oh yeah, this has already happened. He has like a 300 meter, a 300 meter N. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he's ridiculous. Um, and remember this is him saying like, yeah, this is me in old age. Yeah. So, it kind of seems like when you get older and, and, uh, Hunter Hunter, you get more powerful. Um, I think that's variable. I think you have two people who validate that. And then like a bunch of other people who don't as much. Fair enough. So, uh, like in the manga, there's no goodbye scene of Squala and Eliza. He's just, he's just like, bye, see ya. Um, so here the rain was depicted as much stronger to make Melody's hearing more impressive. I don't know. Basically, she's, they're doing a fucking audacity, like, sample the noise and remove it from the track. Um, so in this can, version, Faith is Melody's being... audacity now? Huh? Can we refer to Melody's audacity now? Well, I mean, her her real name. What what was what the fuck did her real name in Japanese mean? It was like something weird. Whose name? Melody. Oh, I don't know. Like, I think her name could either be literally Melody or also taken as like terror. I forget something like that. We talked about it on our previous episode. Like, it's a pun on it. Um, but in this version, uh, Phaeton is reading Trevor Brown, who's like a, a controversial comic artist uh who draws like a bunch of like really fucked up stuff like torture and like little kids so take that as you will um he's shown doing this much earlier in the manga around chapter 84 which was 20 chapters ago while in this version he starts uh yeah well in this version it's it's now so now this version starts having hisoka say narrator stuff a la 2011 so like they do a mix of it in 99 so in 99, it was probably like, oh, yeah, this just flows better than when you're on the comic page. While in 2011, they probably made a decision beforehand to do it more generally. So Melody describes Kurapika's work friendships as, quote unquote, not very stable, which um, sounds about right. He's a he's a thorny boy. Uh, so this one completely doesn't show Kilo's face when responding to Melody's compliments. So in 2011 and the manga, he blushed in response to her compliments of him. In this one, he doesn't. And I, this is part of what I was talking about with regards to the decreased interiority of Kilua. And I'm wondering if it's like, cause 99, I think I've talked about, I, I have a theory was made where you're supposed to identify with Gon and Kula because you're supposed to be that young. Well, 2011 is like, oh, they're cute little boys and I'm 25, you know? So I think in this one, they're like, we got to make Kula cool. Don't have him blush. And that's obviously like a weird choice, but it's probably, I'm guessing, the motivation. Not sure. So Eliza and Squala's conversation 
uh, on the phone here is very artsy, showing only one side at a time and leaving what the other says unheard. But it ties up the phone and makes it harder for Kurapika to reach him, possibly leading to Squala's death. So that that's definitely a canon change, but it's interesting because it's like this very... Like, basically, you only see the side of the person hearing the other person talk as opposed to actually hearing what's said. So it's a way of, like, making it more mysterious that's, like, kind of cool, but doesn't really fit with, like, what's going on. Um, so a note here I have is the wall running here looks much more like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon style wire foo rather than Naruto running. And I'm wondering if that's just because, like, that was kind of, like, the big wall run that was the way people saw wall running back then was more like crouching tiger style, like wuxia movies rather than what would eventually come out of Naruto. Um, so in order to speed up the driving, Leorio does some extracurricular driving down a park staircase to a short, uh, to short tra- traffic. So he basically cuts through central park <laughs> just like in his car. So basically like every other New Yorker does a, I mean, I mean there are a lot of birds on, on of the East Central Coast Park, but he's going down like a fucking staircase. Hey. Yeah, we did a lot of burns on the East Coast in this episode. I don't know what's up with us. Hey, these are not burns. <laughs> I mean, maybe yours is. Uh, but so lightning strikes when Krollo makes his sense we face, you know, like when he's like, oh, you're asking a lot of questions. Uh, you have a lot of aggression for someone who surrendered. So Uh-oh. like they really go out of their way to make him look monstrous. Um, in this version, sorry. He's gonna kick him with his big anime legs. Yeah, why not? He he. Okay, honestly, manga Krolo looks way more like manga Sensui than anime Krolo looks like anime Sensui. Yeah, maybe they did that on purpose in both aspects. I think so. Um, I definitely think Krolo is supposed to be the analogous character as we've talked about, but like, um, I think it's ridiculous how much more they look alike in the manga. Anyways, and there's some shots that are exceptions. If anyone's going to bring up the image where he looks like fucking Steve Carell, don't even bother me with that shit. Um, Wait, what? Anyways, uh, sorry? Wait, what? There's a meme that goes around where in 99 and parts of the manga, he looks like Steve Carell. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, anyways. Squala is in heavy traffic here, but starts splitting lanes to escape Nobunaga, who's jumping off of different cars to catch him. So... He, keep in mind, he's in a full-size car and splitting lanes motorcycle style and just fucking up everyone's paint jobs in order to leave. Hey, you know what? That seems like typical New York to me. I mean, it was probably the right move given what ends up happening. So, yeah. yeah. This version, like the manga, shows that Kortopi and Nobunaga don't know about memory bombs, so they're both like, we'll trust you as she's pointing a gun at them and they don't know what she's doing. Um, so in this version, when Squala dies and they show like a bunch of flashbacks to Eliza, they show her as one of the girls who was with Dalzelene during the interview that Kurapika went to. Like, you remember the two kimonoed girls who were behind him on the videotape? She was one of them here. And that's just like a throwaway detail for like no reason. Uh, They have that in the manga too, don't they? I don't think they did. I don't remember seeing Dalzelene. There's two, they had two like girls in the kimonos. Oh, no, no, those girls existed. What I'm saying is they have a flashback to it here. I don't think they had a flashback to it there. Oh, yeah, they didn't. It's kind of weird they did that, but maybe it's just like it. Maybe it might be different because maybe with 2011, it was consistent. You could watch it easier. Maybe it's like 99. It's like, well, we don't know when you're going to watch it again. If you, but the thing is because it flashbacks to the actual anime, right? Not the OVA. 
yeah, flashes back to the anime because like anytime they do a flashback to prior to the OVA starting, it's always anime footage because they didn't reanimate it. Yeah, I think that might be the I think that might be why because it's the old show and it's like oh, if in case you didn't see it. Oh, that's possible. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so specifically here, Paku says that they didn't learn anything about Kurapika's ability from Squala. They're just like, well, we know he exists. We have no idea what his ability is, which is interesting because that basically means the only thing they know about Kurapika, the only thing the other, um, bodyguards with the exception of Melody know about Kurapika is that he swings a chain around. They don't know that it's conjured. They don't know what it does. They're just like, he just has a chain. Chain Ying. I was going to say, it's very, um... Master Pain from uh, Kung Pao. Swinging a chain, swinging a chain. Pretty much. But yeah, what did you guys think of this uh, group of episodes? It was pretty intense. Especially the last episode. Big sad. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty big sad moment. I, I was really getting used to Squalla and was hoping, oh, he's playing the last for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always Go have ahead. mixed feelings about when shows do this, when there is like a character that they want to, like, you know, that they're they're that they're going to die. And so they go through these huge, they make decisions to make the audience feel very attached to them. And <laughs> by the end of it, they're just dead. Like I enjoy it as an audience, but I also feel like a little mad about it because I didn't care about him before. <laughs> he was a little annoying, but now I care about him a lot and now he's dead. <laughs> yeah, the manga does the exact opposite. They don't build him up at all and they just have them kill him very instantly for like breaking their rule about like not moving. Right. And so it seems like the goal there was less like, oh my God, feel sad about Squala and like be terrified about it. It's more like, no, just know the Phantom Troop aren't fucking around. Like, so it's very weird how different what they do with it is. Right, because it almost makes the Phantom Troop, their actions, just a little bit more cruel. Even though, like, logi logically, except for, like, Pakunoda looking about Eliza, aside from that, like, they wouldn't know, like, all the circumstances of his life that goes into that decision that to kill him. So it just makes them seem just a little bit more villainous compared to like all the other episodes that were kind of building up like their different side of them all like they have bonds with each other they're a, like a family of sorts and now you see him like essentially kill this got this guy who just wanted to better his life for him and his girl and they just cut it short yeah, it's interesting how the manga version's more consistent with the deaths of other members of the Nostrad family. Like, you remember when fucking, um, God, what's his name? Uh, the guy whose name sounds like bacon. Um, Tocino. Um, yeah. <laughs> fucking, like, do you remember when Tocino just died, like, just, like, instantly? And you're just like, wait, what the fuck? Like, he uh, just puts up his Nen ability and gets shot through the head? Yeah, no, I miss, I missed, uh, I missed poor Tostino's pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, when Tochino and Baze died just very suddenly, that was exactly how this one played out. Just the idea of, like, the Phantom Troop doesn't give a shit about who you are. Meanwhile, 2011 goes out of its way to be like, you should care about who these people are. Yeah. So, I mean, it worked. I was very, I was very invested. 
<laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm still mad about it. Shows how invested I was. <laughs> so I enjoyed these episodes. It's true, yeah, true. No, for, for real, I really liked how they made, they really showed that we should care about these characters, though. But even though we probably shouldn't have, it's like throwaway characters pretty much. Yeah, I um, I guess like, what do you guys make of like the stuff with Melody right now? Because like, I I love it, frankly. Same. I think she's best girl and should be classified as such. I agree. It's um, oh yeah. Sorry. Continue. I'll I'll add my note in after. But yeah, no, I really I really enjoy Melody as a character. I think this is really really showing what she can really do and contribute to with the group. You know. Mm Hmm. Which I think, and and it's probably going to show later on, but I mean, this isn't going to be the last we've seen of Melody using her powers, though. Mm-hmm. For, for sure. Um, I forget, do you guys remember if I had mentioned if I had finished Nausicaa before we recorded last time? Yeah, you told us about that. Okay, well, so I think I had mentioned previously that Togashi has said that he based uh, Melody and Kurapika on the relationship between nausicaa from nausicaa in the valley of the wind in the valley of the wind and the omu which are the giant uh bug creatures with kurapika being the giant bug creature and interesting um, yeah it's very interesting to think about like the idea of like melody as this person who can soothe this person who without them might be like a savage beast but like has hidden depths because like the omu aren't dumb the omu are actually very intelligent but like they can fly into a rage that's like world destroying and it's interesting seeing this dynamic between them fair enough it's also this is a secondhand influence but miyazaki who made you know nausicaa has talked about how he based that relationship on nausicaa from the odyssey who is a princess who finds the shipwrecked odysseus and nurses him back to health and so i'm wondering if like and then she like you know basically becomes a follower of odysseus and like sings his song across the continent and, Wait, and like she's a musician more after the ship crashes um this is one of the he, he crashes like eight times in the book jesus christ this guy needs to get some gps going on here yeah pretty much anytime he gets onto a new island his ship is fucked up dude it's, this this sounds like my 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 uh my old g my old dm literally every single time we get a ship he just crashes it nice <laughs> but yeah I, I i do like the dynamic because I don't think the parallels to the Odyssey were on purpose, but it's interesting seeing echoes of them because it's a reference to something that was referencing the Odyssey. So I really like that sort of like transitive reference. I really need to finish that. The Odyssey? Yeah, I read it in high school. I only read like the first part of it when the ship crashes the first time. I need to read the Iliad. I've never read the Iliad. Well, at least we, at least we got some reading to catch up on. Yeah, um, when we when we eventually get to our influences season, maybe we'd have a reason to read one chapter of the Odyssey and not the whole thing because holy shit, we'll read the one that I read in high school, which is him <laughs> crashing the boat. Nah, we should just read the part about them doing an archery contest. <laughs> Down the first tournament arc in history. Oh God. Oh no, now I'm wondering when we when we finally cover the root of tournament arcs, I want to find out the first attested tournament in all of history. Probably some of the Roman chariot bullshit. I wouldn't be surprised if it predates that. It's like some Babylonians punching each other in the face or some shit. Whoever falls <laughs> off the sword first dies. Match. What what's up? Did you say knife edge deathmatch? No, I said Babylonian knife edge deathmatch. I'm super down for the Babylonian knife edge deathmatch. That's my new uh pro wrestling event type too. 
<laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I think that's about it for uh, for this episode, unless you guys have anything more to say. Otherwise, uh, would one of you guys be able to take us out? Yeah, I can do it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to The Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just chat our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up, we finally did it and we started a Patreon. Woo! Um, yeah, you, you can check us out at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. Throw us some cash for hosting fees and equipment and join our patron-only Discord. We'll be discussing the shit out of Hunter, Yu and much more. Speaking of the Discord, if you want in but you don't have the funds, you can help us in other ways and give us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Send us the link, your Discord username, and enough evidence to connect them both, and we got you. Um, each review gets a surface to tens or hundreds more people. Um, also, heads up, today's intro music was made by Studio Megaane. Check them out on YouTube, Twitter, most importantly, iTunes. See you guys on the other side. So
Oh, my legs are so asleep. Uh. Uh, oh, Johnny needs to talk. You know how you had your reservations about the Raya, the movie? Yeah. Well, I I understand now, but we for different reasons. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know any. I haven't watched it. I don't know anything about it. What What about it? Well, I was talking to Hannah. You know the voice cast. How they do have Kelly Marie Chan. Um, oh God, is it all white people besides her? No, it's all East Asian people. Oh, besides Please her, wait for what? For uh, the voice actors for Raya. Okay, so in okay. recently they released the rest of the voice acting cast list. So they purposely only released the first two characters which is the dragon and then the main character who like Kelly Kelly Marie Tran from Star 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 Wars is voicing. So the really rest, listen to these names. Gemma Chan, Daniel De Kim, Sandra O, oh, Benedict Wong. Well, man, um, not even Dante Bosco. That's not what Dante I'm Bosco. Oh, they could have gave our man his his Disney time to shine, but no. I'm again, so again, give him another Disney chance to shine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he American Jake Long. <laughs> so, like, they gave... Yeah, and then I think Alan Taduk, I don't know, he's, like, from a he's white guy. just make the chicken noises again, which I'm totally fine. Tudic? Yeah, yeah, it's like an animal. The yeah. main, I, I've been kind of pissed off because they purposely released all this brand new information after a, a month or two before the movie's released, and it's very telling. There was like an article I was reading, like, oh, why is like all these East Asian people voicing Southeast Asian inspired characters? And they were like, well, you know, they're prominent Asian American people in the community. So it's okay. I think a lot of their research with um, Vietnam, though, which is isn't yeah. great for the rest of the cast, but at least we got Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, that's <laughs> she's Vietnamese, true. right? No, yeah, it she is. Is. yes. I think it's more. I I'm disappointed in all the actors, like Sandra Oh, Daniel DeKim, Benedict Wong, that decided to accept those roles and not push for maybe getting their other colleagues to get to like be to pursue it because actors have done that before especially prominent names and these are people actors who always constantly are in interviews talking about asian representation so they usually ally themselves as faces and the fact that it's very ironic that they're just going to be like it's hard enough to get like roles you know why can't we just accept you guys need to accept the crumbs as... East Asians, the <laughs> East Asians, the white people of Asia. Yeah, it's like so wait, the what, fancy what are, what are Asian versus about? jungle oh, Asian, Maya. and now we're really having sure? fancy Asians it's appropriate jungle Asian roles. I'm pissed. <laughs> See, it was called Lila. Ly oh, Raya. Raya. How do you spell Raya. that? R A Y A. Basically, it's the Disney's new movie. It's going to be like a a. Kind of like Moana, um, but it's Southeast Asian inspired fantasy movie. Gotcha. And in Moana, it was Polynesian inspired. And in Moana, they managed to cast everyone who was of Polynesian descent. Mm -hmm. Not, And they made sure it was Polynesian, not Micronesian or something like that. Wasn't which... The Rock not Polynesian? He's Polynesian. The Rock's Polynesian. 
Polynesian okay, I could have sworn I heard somebody say that he he's, wasn't exactly. He's, half. he's mixed. He's half. Okay, so Polynesia, yeah, I never heard, yeah. Polynesia includes like Maori descent, Hawaiian, Native Hawaiian descent, Samoan. If they were to cast someone from the Marshall Islands. Well, or... to be fair, they actually didn't. I'm looking at their voice list now. They did have, like, they had a lot. I'll, I'll be, uh, I can never say her name. Moana is of Hawaiian descent. Yeah. The Rock that's... is. But then they had, like, Jemaine Clement, Nicole Schwarzenegger. No, I can tell you Clement is half Maori. Is he really? Oh, never yeah. mind. Yeah. And Nicole oh. is part Hawaiian. Oh, I didn't know she was part Hawaiian. I just knew about the Filipino part. Yeah, she has Hawaiian. She's like a mix of Hawaiian, Filipino, then white. But like, but she was like, she's not really raised in that area, so I don't even know if I'd count Nicole. I mean, like, I guess she is still. Oh, she she was she was raised in, raised in Hawaii, I think. So uh. Is, anyway. So I is it, I'm, I'm so is it good or? No, bad, it's just they're... hypocritical of what the of uh, the cast of. Um, what Raya is doing when they say we want Asian representation, but they only mean East Asian representation. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't know there's a big. Uh, there's uh, a, uh, oh, this is okay. The whole the whole cast is Filipino, man. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is just my grievance against like the whole thing with how uh, maybe I'm just ranting right now as we talk about an East Asian animation. <laughs> and yesterday we went to an East Asian supermarket and bought a lot of East Asian food. Wait, did you go to H-Mart? No, we didn't go to H-Mart. I just went to H-Mart yesterday too. <laughs> so, so this so is just me as a humble, think, as a humble angry, jungle Asian yeah, quote-unquote ranting about those damn okay. East Asian. I just want to make sure. And then feeling the clarify. Um, basically, like, East Asian culture and people are generally assigned a level of prestige not given to Southeast Asians, and that, like, we're often called, quote-unquote, jungle Asians considered poor and of low culture. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Even by your own people, problem. like... Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, our people perpetually the stereotype, too. Out the wazoo if they're Chinese-related or... Um, not if you're fully yeah. Chinese, but, like, if you're Chinese-related or if you're, like, Spanish... Like you have Spanish in you or whatever, like yeah. that's a gotcha. point of pride versus like being yeah. native Philip indigenous or native Filipino. Well, one, our right. culture got erased, yeah, many decades Oof. ago, so um, none of us really know. And it bleeds. It's definitely in Asia because it's so soft power with East Asia on Southeast Asian countries, like from celebrities, music, etc. And it bleeds into like the effects into like Asian American cultures in here in the U S and similarly with like how immigration patterns were set up in terms of like the generations that East Asians were in America versus the immigration patterns on how most Southeast Asians came to America, AKA refugees. So it bleeds into this, all this complicated politics. And you gotcha. So, so I, I just want to, just want to be clear. Cause I'm still a bit confused. So yeah. the problem is that it's mostly Filipinos and not Eastern Asian. No, 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 no. It's, it's mostly Eastern the opposite. Asian. opposite. It's like the, the opposite. So the okay. So the, it's supposed to be about, the, no, it shouldn't be Filipino specifically. It's yeah. made up Southeast, Southeastern Asia. Asia. Like it's not a real country like wherever they're going right, right. it's okay. like moana yeah so, okay. so, I see. so it's, of... it's not like the it's not like the culture that it's supposed to be it's yeah. 
Yeah. Man, this is getting. Um, if getting I could summarize here, I'll summarize the problem. Disney made a Southeast Asian inspired movie from countries of Southeast Asia, but majority of the cast for the voice actors are not from those countries. They're okay, from- I see. So they're yeah. they're from just East Asia versus yeah. Southeast. Asia. Yep. Okay. The okay. Thing- I got you. But to make things worse, they're promoting the movie as a Southeast Asian representation movie. And they have the actors of East Asian descent do promos saying, oh, yeah, love this representation. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, because yeah, it's looking like there's only three that are actually Southeast Asian, right? Yeah, yeah three or four. So yeah. it's one thing that's really annoying is like, I, I don't hold this against Vietnamese people or Vietnam, but Vietnam is the most East Asian, Southeast Asian country. Oh, yeah. I think there's a deep conspiracy because all the Southeast Asians who are employed in the movie are East Asian passing. There's a fucking reason. So, yeah. Yikes. I mean, all the people who are famous in East or Southeast Asian countries, for the most part, are East Asian or European passing. Anyway, yeah. so... Yeah, no it's brown. Not, it's no brown, brown people, basically, is what they're saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, so it's like a chi- China's East Asian, right? Or is that? Yeah. 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 Think, think Korea, Japan, yeah. China, so, Taiwan. Well, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, Taiwan. Well, no. So Taiwan, Taiwan is culturally East Asian, but yeah. they are like they're the beginning of Southeast Asia geographically. Not only that, but like all Polynesian yeah. people are descended from people who left Taiwan yeah. thousands Wait. of years ago. Wait, Joe, Vietnam is very Southeast Asia. Like, farmers out the wazoo, like... No, yes, but they were literally a part of China until 900 AD. Okay. So because of that, there's a lot of Chinese blood and Chinese cultural influence, which is why they used to use Chinese characters as their alphabet until the Mm -hmm. 1800s. Would a a close sort of assembly be like if they cast a, a, a a movie about the South and all the people are like Amer- uh, like are like from New York and stuff doing southern accents. No. No. Um it'd be it's, more like if you made a movie about Mexico and cast a bunch of Amer- cast a bunch of think, Americans. Think West Side Story. You. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> Just think about West Side Story, like the 1940s version or whatever or 60s. Yeah, they cast a bunch of people who were from Spain and made them Puerto Rican by putting brown face on them. Oh, were they even from Spain? Ooh. I didn't even know. There, that. there were like two people from Spain. Everyone else was just like white Americans who they put brown face on. Oh, uh, great fuck. singers, bad choice in makeup, a different yeah. for times. I get it, but yeah, but, I, uh, yeah, but no, I appreciate you guys educating me on this because I actually yeah. wasn't aware this was I a, didn't a major know thing. That was an issue either with Raya because uh, I was so focused uh, on Kelly Marie Tran, I didn't even. That's what I too. I mean, Hannah brought it up, and then I just felt like I've been thinking about it overnight, and I just kept on getting more and more angry about it. Yeah. Oh, Dante Bosco could have been in this. Dante Bosco (laughs) could be in everything. I'm not going to boycott. Like, I did watch Mulan, but, like, I hated it. Um, I don't think I'll boycott Raya. It's just one of those, like... Yeah. They could have done better sort of things, right? Right. Especially since... uh, Right, a lot of the writers, art directors, and stuff like that, they're like Southeast Asian from Indonesia, Philippines, etc. Yeah. It's really the casting, and in my opinion, 
the big name actors that should have turned it down. And I'm saying that they should have because these are Sandra Oh, Daniel Day Kim, Benedict Wong. They have movies lined up recently or can upcoming. So they're not like broke like Asian actors with mm-hmm. no names. So, so yeah, they should have known better. I think Patrick, just to put like kind of like another um point on this is like one thing that's like really difficult about this is that it's hard to have like nuanced critiques of things like this because oftentimes if we don't support this thing that like pisses us off, we will never get another Asian starring movie. Yeah. Oh no, no, I get, no, I exactly know what you, I guess I, I get where you're coming from. Cause it's like, it's like the thing is like, Oh, it probably didn't do well. Cause all Asian casts like, no, it's because it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it wasn't nuanced. It just wasn't nuanced. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's, so it's, so it's basically hard. if they cast me for casting people in this movie, it's like, oh, get a bunch of Asian actors that are famous, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, cartoons tend to do this. I mean, you guys are right. Moana did it pretty right. Like, I was looking through that cast. I was like, oh, there's some, like, white-sounding names. But then I'm like, oh, no, she's from New Zealand. Like, <laughs> you know, I guess I don't really like Nicole Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Schwarzenegger, yeah. I don't either. <laughs> I, like, I, I, that, I don't know. I just don't like how – because she, she's very, like, a, oh, I'm she... appropriate all the cultures. Um, but... <laughs> but hey, at least they got the best appropriator in there, she, Alan Tudyk. He is Hawaiian. So. Uh, yeah, okay, Alan Tudyk I'm fine with because he's literally a chicken. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. just making weird noises, and I think that's probably what he's going to be doing in this movie, too. Just no, he's like, the Mushu well, of our times. Yeah, just straight yeah. up a Mushu, right? Uh, Mulan, <laughs> almost, I mean, casting-wise, cool, cool, cool. Uh, but, like, I feel like they, they just messed up the storyline, like, too many hands in that pot. Like, right. Right. There's that big wrong. China question in there that was a big factor on it too. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. they're pandering really... to too many audiences. Like, yeah, I don't know. they weren't even pandering to the right audience yeah. because, like, Chinese audiences hated it because it was they what they really pandered to was Chinese government censors, not Chinese people. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. Chinese government censors is sort of what I meant. I guess I probably should have emphasized that. Yeah, it's crazy how dumb of a move that was. Yeah, so. Mm. Um, but Moana, you guys were right. Like, I never really realized it because Jermaine, I didn't realize Jermaine was, you know, uh, indigenous to an island. But, um, like, that entire cast, they didn't use big names, really. Like, they, they kind of did, but, like, they yeah. didn't. Oh, well, they had the Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but. That was the biggest like, pull. That was a big pull. But, like, animated movies do that a lot where they're like, let's get this B-rated movie and get, like, the biggest stars possible for no reason. <laughs> Like yeah. the Emoji movie had a Emoji. Hey, I was like, what is Emoji? <laughs> An Emoji movie had Patrick Stewart. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Definitely the highlight of his career, not I... any of that Star Trek <laughs> bullshit. No. No, mm-hmm. it's the Emoji movie. He was a poop. Um, yeah, exactly. That's the highlight of his career. There's nothing else he did that was as vital as that. One of, yeah, I think that's one of the weirdest things about animated movies. Like, they think kids care about, like, who's in it. <laughs> And that's the thing, though, is that it, it oh, also yeah. that actually is a thing that I'm big on is that how it hurts actual voice acting talent that actually do TV shows where, like, I mean, there was the whole haunt controversy with the Sco- the new Scooby Doo movie where right. they basically didn't cast anybody from the original one, even if legit one of the voice actors that does that is Shaggy literally did him in a movie, a blockbuster movie. That's the same guy that does the voice of him from now. Mm-hmm. Casey, and they still didn't cast him in it. Who and did that's they cast for Scoob? Who did they cast for Scoob? 
Uh, not Frank Walker. No. It just—I mean, yeah—it's really. I hate casting non-voice acting celebs as fucking voice actors because ninety-nine percent of the time they're terrible. Right. Not to mention, like, it hurts. Like Jenny Slate like, is yeah. fun. I'm glad she gave up the role. Like that's a crazy. Like I'm gonna give up this role right now. Like and transition it to a new person. Yeah. From Big Mouth. Yeah. Like she uh, for reference she is she is a jewish woman uh and her character missy is half black half jewish so in her she was just like oh, okay no. so like she played but she played as herself essentially she didn't like do an accent or did you know she didn't do anything right. crazy mm-hmm. she just played as herself because she's like oh i'm a jewish woman like that that's how i'm gonna relate to this character but then as missy grew into becoming like a black woman like having more predominantly black voices in her writing i think they they transitioned jenny slate to be a different like jenny slate's not the role anymore they transitioned to an actual black woman so i was like yeah. okay, i've definitely seen some conservative jews get annoyed about stuff like that and it fucking pisses me off wait what oh about the like oh why God. couldn't a jewish person play someone who's half jewish it's like well because the jewish part of her identity is not as big of a deal or as big of a focus yeah i i watched that show and they deep deep into missy's black side mm-hmm. so yeah they switched yeah, it in the right <laughs> moment she's like i'm not gonna say that word because you know yeah so <laughs> the, the switch was very much necessary especially yeah. with what missy's what the main characters going um, through going through so yeah it, yeah, yeah. Oh, good talk. That was just my rant. Sorry, thank you for listening. I don't yeah. know where else I could say this without someone being like, well, eh. But <laughs> actually, like, no. it's Asian question, still, question. so it counts, right? This yeah. was actually like a really good discussion. Would you be interested in possibly having this be after the credits of the episode, or would you rather this never go out? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't want That'd people coming for me saying, like, you just hate all East Asian people. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> I just hate yeah. the fact yeah. that well, I yeah, don't know. No. It's up to you guys. Because like, I mean, I'll be I mean, honest, I'm, I'm I wasn't fine. on board at first. I was like, huh. And then you explained it. And I was like, okay, no, I'm on board with it. Yeah. If any one person is uncomfortable with this going out, then cut it. But otherwise, I'd say like, yeah, put this in the end. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's. I'm cool that even even if it if it shows my whiteness, I mean, that's fine. I I kind of like the fact that it kind I kind of educated myself on that. So no, you're you're fine, man. Yeah, it was it was a good talk from all.